Yeah, so something we, we started a little while ago, which which is, is slowly taking off and I think it's a really interesting concept is you can, you know the QR codes, it's a bit like a barcode on your on your phone. Yeah, so we took videos of all the equipment in our club and you can just click on the QR code that's now on the piece of equipment and you get a description on how to, or a video on how to use that on your iPhone. I'm Michelle, the founder of Kindred Global Mentorship and this is our podcast in which we meet real business owners and professionals who are successful in many different careers and learn from them how they do it in their industry, their learnings and their stumbling blocks, what they wish they'd known starting out and much more. So I've got with me today Martin Dunkley and Alicia Rose, who are the co-owners of the Energize Health Club. Um, they have a, a few other businesses, which they're going to tell you about. And I'm really, really excited about this because I've been, I've actually been a member of Energize on and off for many, many years. And one thing I've really stands out about the club is that it's it's really active in the community. It's not just a, a place that you go to work out. You know, there are community events, there's a great vibe, there's a cafe, there are always people hanging around. And, you know, I, I often look at, you know, having been the member of many, many gyms from the age of probably 16 or 17, I always, you know, look at the young health professionals, you know, who are helping the trainers and so on. And I think, you know, what's in store for them? What can you do in your career if you're in fitness or you're passionate about fitness? You know, it's not something I have a lot of experience with. It's not my background. But I think this could be really helpful for people who are looking to have a career in fitness and figure out, you know, what's possible for me. So on that note, um, why don't you tell me a bit about how you got started? Yeah, sure. So when I was 24, or probably a few years prior to that, I, I worked in a number of health clubs, and uh, I saw a big gap, and I still do see a massive gap. Um, coined the term health gap. In fact, that gyms or health clubs promote to the already fit, yet we tend to miss that majority of the population that aren't fit. And so, at the age of 24, there was a lot of gyms shutting down. I took that opportunity to buy a club that had, that had gone bankrupt and, and get some cheap equipment. Um, I convinced my father, who who had and still has very little money as a school teacher, and I convinced him to mortgage his house, uh, which at that point he still didn't own. <laughs> <laughs> and that took, a, that took a lot of spreadsheets and uh, strong business plans. That, it, 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 had a, it had a great pitch. It had a great pitch. Um, part of it was mum yelling at him, saying, it's my house, son, you need to give him the money. But anyway, <laughs> we, we got there. And... Uh, and, and yeah, we set up Energize, which was very different. It was comfortable, and I still hope it is. It's friendly, it was small, it was non-intimidating. And a lot of clubs say that, but I don't think they are that. I mean, even now we have a, a book club um, and a book exchange. And it, it's weird, it's quirky, it's a bit nerdy, yeah. um, but that, that, that breeds comfort, you know, and, and a lot of clubs, and I think we're probably going away from that, actually, becoming sharper and, and, and funkier and more for the 20-year-olds and... That isn't the market. 80% of the population don't go to gyms. And not only that, we, we have this huge obesity pandemic and type 2 diabetes and all the diseases that yeah. stem from that. I mean, 70% of doctor's visits are through lifestyle. Bad lifestyle choices, 70%. We can change that, and yet we don't. And, and that's, that's what I'm extremely passionate about, and that's really why I started. Um, yeah, wanted to try and help people and change the world the best we could, I guess, and in our little way, yeah. And how did you get involved with the business then, Alicia? Well, uh, when I first met Martin, I was in my final year of law school. I'd completed a business degree, I'd done my accounting, and um, I was on my way to be become a lawyer. And uh, I did that for quite a few years and then realised that it wasn't 
probably going to be the long-term career lifestyle for me. Um, I felt like I had all this creativity that I hadn't unlocked and I'd always had a real passion for the health and fitness industry. Anyway, I used to be a, an athlete when I was a teenager, adolescent. And um, I suppose I've just I deeply felt the need to be doing something that had like a knock-on positive effect to humankind. And so I was developing my own business plans for my own business and I was going to leave my career in law when Martin said to me, well, you know, Alicia, you do have a, uh, an accounting degree and I hate doing the books and uh, <laughs> you do have a law degree and um, I've always got, law, you know, legal issues to deal with. Like, why don't we work together? Um, at this time, we'd just been newly engaged, so I thought this could be a scary road to take. Um, however, um, we did it. We joined forces and we got married and we became business partners and um, 11 years on, 12 years on almost with the business, uh, we're still still going strong. So, And kids, and kids, which, yeah, added a whole other dimension. But I think the... I think we are a bit of yin and yang. Martin's um, definitely got the science, health uh, background, done a lot of leadership and, you know, a true entrepreneur. And um, whilst I like to think that I'm also entrepreneurial in my uh, skill set, I think I've kind of taken a lot of – we have very, you know, a good division of roles, wouldn't you think? And it, I think that works well because he's got what he does, I do what I do. We try not to overlap too much because that could cause disagreements, but then otherwise it's all good, Yeah. But I know that you are very entrepreneurial because you've got this website, aliciarose.com, and I've seen your DVDs around of the Pregercise program for pregnant mums, and um, and I know you also have this this other online business which is associated with Energize, right? Which is this exercise on demand, which is um, a, a, an online resource with fitness videos and classes, some free, some paid, um, the biggest in Australia, I think. So, so that's what I'm curious about. So you, you got this gym, you had a vision, you wanted to create, you wanted to meet the needs of a market that hadn't really been met before. You knew, you knew who your customers were. How does that look in practice? How did, how did you do that in practice? Like, I know that you have the book exchange because I've seen, you, you know, your massive bookshelves, which is really cool, actually, when you're kind of going to get water or going to the toilet, you browse the books and, you, you know, and it's a great idea. But what else have you done? Like, how did that journey happen for you? What, what practically was put in place? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a good question. I, I think part of it's very deliberate and part of it isn't. But the thing you've got to consider is what does the market want? And, and our first thing was always um, the member is the focus of everything we do. Uh, but, but it is hard because that 80% of the population aren't members of gyms because they don't want to be a member of a gym. So you are in some ways, um, y- you know, you, you ch- it's hard to sell. It's a harder sale than it is to the 20% that are really keen. And you, But uh, once again, it's where, it's where the passion lies and it's when those people get results, it's fantastic. So just being very deliberate about it, asking people, taking, taking out the... I think intimidation is the biggest factor in clubs, mm. taking out all those points that are intimidating. Yeah. Okay. Right. So lots of customer feedback. Yeah, feedback. Uh, feedback. Um, and also I think that just because it's never been done before doesn't mean it shouldn't be done. Like recently when we – well, it's been a few years ago now, we did a new renovation and we made our health club look more like a, a family room and a house perhaps or, you know, an organic cafe type thing where it, you know – and a few members actually go, oh, this is awesome. You know, gyms shouldn't have to look like a men's locker room. You know what I mean? Like, why can't a gym look like 
somebody's living room in their house, you know, or plants. And, you know, we had a lot of um, recycled materials that we used because we're quite passionate about the environment as well. So, um, yeah, just figuring out a, a different way to do things. And sometimes you need to be bold enough to say let's give it a go even though people were freaking out when I said I was going to paint black in certain areas of the gym but you've got to give it a go. <laughs> and I noticed that you also have guest speakers come in sometimes and and you do talks for the community is that is that always been part of your vision to, to kind of go you don't see that at other gyms and I, and I know this because I've belonged to many you know you actually it's you know you're not just it's not just a place to exercise you're actually informing people you're bringing people in how has that gone for you? Yeah, I think that's one of the, the beauties about fitness is that when you get people into fitness, it can be a lot bigger message than that. It can be also about lifestyle. And so we try and tie in a lot of lifestyle um, factors with that. And that's obviously diet um, and all those things. We've had uh, cardiologists speak. Um, I'm a big fan of Gary Egger, Dr. Gary Egger, and we're, we're partnered with him. And, and so we've had him in quite a few times, um, dietitians. And, oh, we, we get We get so... We, we we fill our room like we'll get over, a bit over a hundred people wow. for some of those. Yes. Yeah, That's yeah. How, what, how many members now? Have you got? Yeah, a, a bit about about two thousand four hundred. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's I guess it's a medium sized club. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Stumbling blocks. <laughs> I want to get back to all the cool things you do in a minute, but I'm just wondering when you started out, like what were some of the stumbling blocks that that would be good for people to know, you know, and and and, and any learnings you got from that along the way. Yeah, wow. Okay, Let, let's sit down for a couple of days. Um, there, we we in some ways I think we've been unique. I haven't had uh, a lot of big financial stumbling blocks. We've always done okay. Um, where the where the stumbling blocks have been, are particularly around legal side, like leases. Um, to, to have a building, our building's a bit over a thousand square meters, and that's a hard site to find, and it's an expensive site to find. We currently lease from council and, and it becomes very litigious and, and you are, I mean, I, I can't begin to tell you how much time even now we spend with with arguments on who's going to fix the air con and, and those sort of things and um, I'm, not, I'm not here to bash councils because councils perform a very important job in society and I respect them uh, but, but it, it has been a difficult journey from that side. The business side's easy if you take that away. Um, so that, that would probably be one of the, the bigger, always finding great team members and keeping them is a critical part so we focus a lot on that and we have wacky wednesdays where we we've been on shark dives we've done a whole bunch of really quirky you know the bridge climb and and that sort of stuff and and you can't do too much of those they have a real team environment and we've got a team a bit over 50 now so that's um yeah that's a really important thing to face so it's not a stumbling block it's just something to keep a focus on something to keep a focus on Okay, I'm just going to throw this one out there and, and, and see what you come up with. But, you know, if, if, if you were to speak to a, a young professional who's really interested in fitness and, you know, they, they wanted to do what you've done, they wanted to have their own gym. I mean, I've met young people who that, that is their goal. They want to have their own gym. Um, how, how does, uh, you know, your answer to the question, stumbling blocks, how would that change? What, 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 is there anything else to it that you would add to that? coming from you know that background and having that passion and, and kind of getting started you know like what is the first step you have to find a, a place and lease it yeah yeah that's a, that's a great question and once again you could spend days talking about that that topic for sure um uh, look the first and most important thing is that and, and to quote michael gerber you 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 might be a great personal trainer so you're a great technician but a business is a business it doesn't matter what you run and you the, the saying is a technician suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure 
you've got to understand that that when you open a business that you you know you have to do accounting you have to do marketing you have to do sales and really as much as i hate to say this because i I don't like the fact we're we're in a real capitalist economy we are you have to sell you have to make money and and just the fact that you love personal training for example in in our our case or it could be anything doesn't mean you're good at selling memberships or you know how to do that um, and, and my, my job now isn't fitness. My job is running a business. And I, with, I mean, I still train a lot. I love training, but I, all my work time is spent in front of a computer. And I think that's important people realise that. If, if they love their job because it's active and they want to open a, a gym, for example, well, you're not, gonna, it's, you're not buying that role. You're buying a role of running a company. Yeah. And, and, when it, and, and, and as far as marketing goes, Alicia, do you do a lot of the marketing? I've, I sort of know you as a more of the marketing person. Is that correct to say? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a bit about what you found in your journey doing marketing for Jim. Like, because your background is legal, you've done other things, but this has obviously been a new challenge for you. But you, there are always, you know, great promotions happening. And, you know, so I'm interested to hear, you know, what, what you've done, what you found is, is working, if you could share any of that. Well, I think over the years we've definitely seen a change in um, the image of the fitness industry and the markets got busier with more people getting involved, which is a great thing. Um, we've never had a scarcity mentality. We've always loved the idea that, you know, more fitness options breeds a healthier, fitter community. Um, so I think the key is that you've got to be stand out for the crowd and really stick to what your target market is. So, you know, we have our niche market, which, as Martin said, is the, the more um, – probably more than non-exercises. We're not so interested in attracting or our club's not for the, the ultra-fit athletes of the world. It's for the, um, you know, everyone else who wants to enjoy being fit and healthy and, and have a, a friendly place they can go to. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I think the way that we fit that to work with the marketing is by doing community outreach. We really like to embed ourselves in the community um, building relationships with the local schools and the sporting clubs and we love doing charity things. Um, we've done international stuff and Australian wine stuff but, you know, it's also nice to be doing a charity that's really local as well. Um, we did like a three-hour uh, spin class outside the front of the gym where we had 50 people on spin bikes. Yeah, that was for the Bravehearts charity. That was... Yeah, now we're doing a disco and so that's, um, that's a community event. Yeah, so we... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that we hope that it is. So that's that's the future for us. That's what we've been doing for a while. Um, and I really believe that doing events like that, you know, the old school, putting an ad in the newspaper or doing a leaflet drop, um, you know, that's not where we're at. We like to actually run events and, and build a relationship that's, you know, emotional with people to, to help, you know, energise their lives, as we like to say. Yeah, I think the, the really important thing about that to add that if you can look at marketing one or two ways, you look at it as an expense. So I spend 10 grand a month and I'm going to make 20 grand, say. Uh, or you can look, I'm going to spend 10 grand pouring into the community and they're going to benefit. So we, we raise a lot of money for schools and that's great. We think that we help the school, but also we, we piggyback that if you like in that it, it markets us in a positive frame and, and it's a win for everyone and that's what I think is critical with this sort of stuff is you want to put back and not waste your marketing dollar on on just marketing alone. And in terms of marketing and, you know, all the community events that you're doing, how has being, you know, how, being parents, how has that, has that changed your focus at all with, with what you want to do or the direction you're going in? 
Um, I love to ask um, business owners who are parents, professionals who are parents, how do you juggle? You know, like how do, how do, how do your children fit into your life and your career? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, I've, I've got to be straight up here. I, I don't I don't work 100 hours a week and I, I, I never will. I mean, there, there are times when, <laughs> there, there are times when you, you do, and a business is a bit of a, a roller coaster. You, you'll work really long hours and then you get time off. We took 11 months off yeah. and I see that as... With your first child? Both, 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 both yeah. children. A lap of Australia in the caravan. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Everyone should do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on your bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, a measure of success is not necessarily how much money we're making, but it's it's also uh, how much time I spend with the kids and that quality time and the fact that on a Tuesday I can go do reading group and that that sort of thing. And and I think you've got to have your own measures what that means to you and that's real and that's a personal thing. Uh, and that's really important. That's and we we have said no to what were possibly very big opportunities mm-hmm. because the cost was too large in our view. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean a financial cost. Would I suspect we would have done very well out of them? But I, I mean a, a personal cost. And I've got friends that have made a lot of money, and good luck to them. But that that's not us. We 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 you know we like to help. We also like to be family orientated. Yeah, I agree with that. But I suppose. Um you know, as the pre- you know the primary caregiver, that's probably what you'd agree, wouldn't you, Marty? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I do think having my own business um, provides a lot of special freedoms as a working mum because there is times where I can work from home and um, but just when I think I've got something sorted, the kids change and they grow up and it's a whole new challenge and yeah, they need different things. And so it is a never ending jigsaw where I feel like, you know, you just fit the piece of the puzzle in and then you've got to take it away and try somewhere else. But um, I do, um, I love that the kids love the business that we have too. They think it's great when they get to come to work with mummy or daddy. If that you know, and I, I was actually almost raised at the back of my mother's business. She owns a pharmacy, and um, and mum was a single mother. So my brother and I used to go to work with her every afternoon after school. So um, I, I think I'd, I've seen you know the, the that small business as well when I was a child, and I actually do love that where creating something that our, parent, our children can see on the way that we work. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's so important as well to get your kids involved in your business, you know, whatever way. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of delegation, not that you have to, you know, give them paperwork to do, but, you know, just so they know what, what, what it's about and they feel like that, that it's a family effort. You know, I like to think of us as like a team and, you know, when mum goes out there and she makes something happen and makes money, the whole family benefits. So, you know, so I often talk to my 13-year-old about branding or technology because he'll go, oh, no, mum, no one would do that, you know, or, or, or it's much better if you have this on the website because people be, you know that sort of thing you know I love to chat about it so it's great to hear other parents who you know get their kids involved in and I think it's really important and I think it also probably gives you more of that ethos around community you know you can see what your kids need mm. and that helps you understand that they're part of a community and they're part of a school and you know affects your marketing as well so that's very very cool um you mentioned martin um a mentor earlier you said you know one of your mentors said i wonder if you could expand on that a little bit obviously this business is about mentorship so i'm just curious with both of you really um you know what mentors have you had you know in in this business and 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 what what have they done for you what's their role been yeah, I, at the moment I have a coach, I have a business coach. Um, I don't mind, I'll give him a plug, Paul Wright. And, and he's, he's, um, 
he's good. He has strong opinions on some things, but but most of all, he's a sounding board and and just makes you look at things from different angles. Uh, it, it's important because you don't want to get too emotionally tied up in things. You want to sit back as much as you can and and try and analyze what you're doing and making sure that it is it is with your vision in mind and and you are being rational. You're not just you know yeah, getting a brawl for the sake of a brawl or something like that. So yeah, it's it's a good it's a good thing to have. A good thing to have. I'd probably say um, my first mentor who had a lasting impression on me was when I was um, working as a judge's associate in uh, a district court of New South Wales. Um, and I worked for a judge who was an extraordinary man. He was in his final couple of years of being a judge and um, we worked in the criminal jurisdiction. So um, it was my job to sort of protect him and be secretary and impanel the jury and take all the notes and do all those sorts of things that a judge's associate needs to do. But I think the big thing was that he believed in me in a way that I didn't believe in myself, I suppose. And I was in my early 20s and um, he always said to me that he thought I was going to be this, you know, an amazing barrister if I wanted to be an barrister. Um, turned out I decided that being a barrister was not for me, but I'd never before considered that I might be capable of doing that. And when I had this other person who by all accounts was so successful and wise and experienced tell me you could be a barrister if you wanted to be, um, I suppose that's what kind of really started sowing a seed inside me that anything could be possible if you if you want it and you want to give it a try and you persist um, and think differently to what you thought was actually the original idea it could be something completely different yeah yeah that's awesome I love how you both have different explanations for how your mentors or your, you know your coaches have, have helped you and and it can be everything can't it I mean it can be practical business advice and emotional support I mean <clears throat> I know when I, I have a mentor who's also like a therapist so she's many things to me and in some sessions it's just business strategy and some sessions I'm just falling apart and I just need someone to say you can do it Michelle you know that's that's all that I need for that hour you know so it's um yeah it varies a lot hugely um, now, in terms of, <laughs> I have these questions I like to ask people, you know, like, what is your favorite bit of technology? What is your favorite app? And I'm thinking, you know, is that relevant for, for your kind of work? I don't know. I mean, it must be. Um, I mean, that's a good question, isn't it? Because technology is so embedded in every business now. So what, so what about yours? Yeah. Yeah, so something we, we started a little while ago, which, which is, is slowly taking off, and I think it's a really interesting concept, is you can... You know the QR codes, it's a bit like a barcode on your on your phone. Yeah, so we took videos of all the equipment in our club and you can just click on the QR code that's now on the piece of equipment and you get a description on how to, or a video on how to use that on your iPhone. That is yeah. the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Next time you're there, find the QR code. Yeah, QR coach, QR coach, we named it. We It's funny because I thought, I wake up two o'clock one morning and went, oh, we can do it. This is be fantastic. And, and I ran down. I never expected this morning. I thought, I'm going to ask about technology. Then I go, well, you know, we have a Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> That's, so I'm learning something. That's very cool. Yeah, and, and so, so I ran down and, and look, look, it has been done. It has been done. It's, it's, it's a, in America. In America. Not, nowhere in Australia that I could see. But, yeah, um, yeah QR codes are being used for different sources and, and similar things. I, I um, they are, they are. There's, um, there is, yeah, some. Mem- it, 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 we haven't publicised as much as we should have, um, so it's one of those things. But it, it, it certainly is popular. It certainly is a, a coaching aid or a teaching aid. Yeah. yeah. 
Do you find social media helpful, um, owning a gym? Um, I mean, I guess you, you have the gym, but you also have a couple of websites, uh, the aliciarose.com and, um, and also Exercise On Demand. So I guess it's a different answer for, the, for different businesses. Yeah, we do. Um, I think that the for Energize, because we are a very residential club and it is geographically you know, limited, I suppose. Um, we still have a, a pretty engaged audience though, which is nice. But um, it just, yeah, it depends on your demographic and, and the area. But for the other businesses, yeah, we're playing around with social media. I've just sort of, the Instagram seems to be going well at the moment for aliciarose.com. Um, yeah, so it's... Yeah, it's very cheap at the moment. Right, yes, it's, yes. Do you video ads? Have you tried video ads on Instagram? I've not even gone near the ads yet, but I just, yeah... All oh, right, yeah. I need to jump onto that then. Yeah, but um, yeah, so we sort of we need to um, be mindful though, I suppose, because sometimes I get carried away with new new ideas and new concepts, and then you're like, well, probably need to just focus a bit on where the yeah. <laughs> In terms of where you want to take your business, where where it's going, um, yeah. What is your what is your do you have a vision for where you'd like to take it or I know you've got something new that's happening now uh, maybe you could talk a bit about that and also and also the gym you know where you'd like to take that yeah so that we we did think about franchising we do have another club as well Energize Express which is a, a, under a, a license section not under a franchise under a license agreement uh, that that aside the the space for franchising I, I think that that horse has bolted in the fitness industry and whilst we were looking at doing it about seven years ago. I probably wouldn't do that now. Um, what what we're excited about is more this lifestyle medicine approach. Um, and, and I've recently partnered with uh, Dr. Gary Egger and Dr. John Stevens. Uh, Gary Egger started Gut Busters, as I was saying to you before, written 200 peer-reviewed papers, 30 books. And so we're relaunching a, a lifestyle medicine program um, of sorts, which is... Uh, um, yeah, it's, I, mean, I don't want to call it diet something, right? We, we, it's done very differently. Um, and the results are off the scale. He, he, most diet programs get about 8% weight loss. He's considered good. Um, Gary, back then when he, he had 100,000 men do it and he got over 50,000 lost weight and kept it off for over a year. So it, it, will be, it will be online and face-to-face. Yeah, and face-to-face works better than online. Online, online from a business perspective, is a good idea, but really we're driving people to do face-to-face primarily. Yeah, so we hope to have a hundred locations in a couple of years. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. how, and how does that look? Like, like, how does that look on the ground? And I mean, do people come in? They have sessions. How does it? You know, how, uh, yeah. It's a good question. So it, it's been piloted in medical centres to date, uh, with GPs doing it. Um, Gary also started Aslan, which is Australian Society of Lifestyle Medicine, and, and he has a lot of doctors running it. Uh, but the way it will look is, you can come in and do one-on-one sessions. So if you've got a personal training session you can extend it and and have this this side of it done regarding your diet primarily but not just diet Uh, or you can do it in a group and we know that group does better than one-on-one we know that for sure and it's mainly that group dynamic group dynamics you can't beat and I think going back to your last question about marketing what what can happen also we forget that as humans we like social interaction and I think that Facebook's an amazing tool and, and Instagram they're all amazing tools but what it does is it opens up the space for you to go and chat to people yeah. in a shopping centre or whatever it might be or at a, at a fundraising event and that has now become more powerful than ever because no one does it because they're all on Facebook trying to yeah. promote on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. sometimes looking at, at old paradigms gives you big opportunities rather than just chasing the new thing all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is my huge motivation for Kindred is, is this thing about human interaction, is, is taking, you know, mentoring, business coaching, life coaching, ha- having people get help for their careers, but making a, a, you know, a one-on-one personal connection so you can feel emotionally supported, so you can feel like someone gets you, you know, and not just having it all be online, but having that, the eyeballs, you know, even if it's Skype. So, um, yeah, I, I, totally, I totally get that. And the thing that really strikes me about um, what you've done and what, and what you're continuing to do is, and, I, and I'm seeing this more and more with people I speak to who, who have their own business, is, is expanding it and growing it really outside the box, you know, you, you know, using technology, using different avenues. So, you know, it's not just a gym anymore. It's part of a community. And then it's not just that. It's also, there's also an online element. And then you also expand it into the more health, you know, as you're saying, it's, it's, it's doing all of that. And, and I'm wondering, um, is, that, is that something that you've just evolved? Or is it a conscious decision on your part to try to, you know, be innovative and, and different? Or is it just evolved that way? That's a, that's a really good question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, part of the problem you've got when you're chasing too many things is you can get washed out a little bit and you, you yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, the other thing is, is to keep it fresh and new and, and to make sure that you are going to, be there and not be passed by you need to be trying stuff all the time and you need to accept that eight out of ten things will fail uh, and that's okay you learn from that and you move on and the two that work work well Uh, so i I think does that answer your question we're always trying new stuff for that reason yeah no, it definitely answers it. I, I think that's a really good point to make is that, you know, the things fail and that's okay, but it's the mindset. You know, I was talking to um, uh, someone who's a, a venture capitalist yesterday. You know, he came into a group I was in and he was talking about, um, you know, he's worked with entrepreneurs, he funds them, he has all these funds for, for businesses and so on. And, and what does he think the most important thing is and, you know, really making it in business? And he said, oh, look, it's all mindset. At a certain level, it's just all mindset. So... Um, so on that note, the, the final question, of course, is, um, you know, what would you say to someone who was in your shoes, you know, but, but 10 years behind you or 15 years behind you who was thinking about starting on this journey of, you know, owning a gym and, you know, working in the fitness industry, you know, as a business owner, what advice would you give them? You want to go first, Alicia? <laughs> well, I'd like to say be brave and be bold and be persistent, um, and make sure you're doing it because it's going to make your heart sing. Like if you're into it and you're like, this is what really moves me. And when I'm working like this, I get in the zone. I know that it's making me passionate. Uh, but also also be conscious that whilst that might be the guiding reason that you're in the industry, that once you become a business owner in the industry, as Martin said before, you're not just training people or doing exercise. You've now got a whole other cachet of things that you need to be um, on top of. So it's a real mixed bag. Yeah, look, absolutely. I'd have to say the same thing. You've got to love what you do without a doubt. And it does become your life. So even though at times we may not be working, you're always working. You're always thinking about it. It's always there. Oh, new ideas and whatnot. So certainly that, but also the market. You've got to understand that it is market first and we always forget that. Because I've got this great idea, but is there a market for it? And you've got to be aware of that all the time. Mm-hmm. With no market, you've got nothing to sell. Yeah. So, so great. great advice. Well, thank you so much, guys, for um, speaking to me today. And uh, look, I look forward to, to seeing you around and maybe one of you will be a mentor on the platform or, you know, be involved in some way. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you. Thank you so thank much, you. Michelle. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.
So if you'd like to check out any of the links mentioned today, that's the Energize Health Club, which is energizehealthclub.com.au. That's in Belrose and French's Forest in New South Wales, near, near Sydney. Exerciseondemand.com, which is an online portal for free videos and also paid classes. That's exerciseondemand.com.au. And finally, Alicia's site, aliciarose.com. That's Alicia with an E-L-I-S-H-A, rose, R-O-S-E dot com. And it has all kinds of goodies on there. So hop online and have a look. <laughs>